Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mintel, my husband, Norm. And every weekend, we're here, we're doing life together, and always, we're glad to have you. Yeah, I hope you don't take this wrong, but why have you waited so long to call the doctor for that appointment? I mean, you didn't do it again today. Why don't, when, when are you going to do it? I don't know, Norm. I've not had a lot of time. Oh, yeah. I'll get to it. I need to. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm, it, I have to remind you all the time about this stuff. You know, you don't need to remind me. I'll do it when I'm ready. Well, when are you going to be ready? We've got to get this thing done. I, I don't, don't want you to die on me. I don't know. I will. Ha. Huh. Hello, everybody. How did you like our dramatic reenactment today? <laughs> we were fa- fighting pretend. That was pretend fighting, yes. Did you like it? No, it was uncomfortable, right? Uh. <laughs> but we thought we'd start out the show today with an example of what nagging could look like, because that's the topic of our show today, and nagging is a relationship killer, if you couldn't tell, and something we really need to be rid of in our relationships. Yeah, if you if you couldn't tell by that little demonstration we did, how you would feel about your partner mm. <laughs> who who acts like that, and a lot of times we do act like that, so we have to be careful. You know, Norm, it's the why don't you ever take out the trash? When are we going to spend real time together? Why can't you just put the dishes in the dishwasher? Are you listening to me? It's does that sound familiar? If it does to you people listening then guess what? That's called nagging. It sounds like TV time. I mean, every sitcom is based on somebody nagging somebody. It makes me crazy. Or it's the I don't have a clue husband and the wife or the kids who are constantly telling dumb dad what to do or reminding him what he's not doing. And while we laugh at this because it's kind of funny, it's it's kind of funny because it's usually real life stuff. Yeah, and it's not really that funny. You know? No. So let's begin at the beginning like we often do. Give us a definition of nagging. Well, we're going to go back to our Webster's Dictionary definition again, like we always do, right? (laughs) And nagging is a verb, and it means to irritate by constantly scolding or urging. Hmm. I like the verb irritate because I think that's, <laughs> it has that feel, doesn't that's it? That's <laughs> the result. That's pretty straightforward. Hey, here's an interesting fact for you. During the Middle Ages, a person who was accused of nagging would sometimes have to wear a scold's bridle. Ever heard of that? No. Scold's bridle, like I'm scolding you. Oh, okay. Basically, that was an iron muzzle, like you put on a dog, a muzzle. Oh. It was placed over the head of a person, and it restricted their use of the mouth so to keep them from nagging. Oh, my gosh. It was obviously intended as a public embarrassment, since at that time, nagging was, are you ready for this, an S-I-N sin. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a horrible way to stop a behavior, shaming a person from no it. Kidding. Wow. And, you know, Norm, my mom worked with Jewish people her mm-hmm. entire career, and they have a word that they use for nagging called kvetching. 
Have you heard that that word? That's a Yiddish word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this word means to complain or yeah. express discontent or displeasure or unhappiness. Okay, speaking of Jewish people, I got one for you. Did you know nagging's in the Bible? Uh, yeah. No. King Solomon said in the Proverbs, he talks about the stress and misery caused by an argumentative and negative wife. Hmm. Okay. Remember, he had 700 wives. Oh <laughs> and that didn't include like another thousand concubines or something. But chapter 19 of Proverbs is about a woman who's bringing grief to a man. But remember, men do the same thing for women. Here's what he did. He wrote that it's <laughs> – I'm sorry. It's better to sit on a roof <laughs> okay. or cross a scorching desert barefoot oh my or listen to a dripping faucet than to live with a nagging wife. Well, that's pretty descriptive. That's in Proverbs? <laughs> that's in Proverbs. That's in Proverbs 21. My 21, 27, yeah. Oh, both my chapters. goodness. Well, he called a woman who couldn't hold her tongue a gold ring in a pig's snout. Wow. Now, that's not a flattering image, is it? No wonder. I mean, no wonder Solomon was so jaded later in life. I mean, you can see that in the book of Ecclesiastes. All those women to deal with, Hmm. most who probably didn't get a lot of his attention. You know, it makes a good case for monogamy. How could he if he had 700 wives (laughs) and 1,000 girlfriends? Who's going to pay attention to whom? I mean, that's once every three or four years. They were probably clamoring for his attention, and that was probably considered nagging. I don't know. I don't know. The possibilities for nagging are as unlimited as the number of people there are in the world, so it's not just women, clearly. We want to make that obvious. We want to say everybody nags or can. Yeah, and nagging works like this. You make a request, or sometimes it's a demand, the request is ignored, and you make it again. And the more you badger that person to do what you want, the more he or she withdraws. In fact, nagging has been shown to decrease a person's motivation to get something done. Well, yeah, you get badgered and harangued about it all the time. It's kind of human nature to want to do the opposite, which is not whatever they're asking you, right? right? I get it. You just don't want to be around someone like that. Here's a question for you. Does nagging really ever work? Uh, No, is the answer to that, (laughs) which is why we're calling it a relationship killer. Um, There's a cost to to the relationship, seriously. It usually ends in more distance between a couple And yet many couples are really locked into this pattern norm. You know, there's this nag, withdraw, and then nag some more. Mm. And so nagging is part of an overall negative communication pattern. And for some people, it actually feels compulsive. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to guess that when it does feel compulsive, like you said, there must be some sort of deeply unmet need involved. Yeah. And we want to, we'll get into that a little bit later. But one of the problems with nagging is you turn into a parent to your partner Mm. and no one wants to be intimate with their parent. Right. So nagging feels like you are being scolded like a child. I guess that's where they got that scold bridle. The scold bridle. The scold bridle from the Middle Ages. I guess that's where they got it from. Well, that could well be. I know when you've nagged <clears throat> or suggested that, that one or two times in one all or two the years of in, marriage. In all of yeah. I, I think I flash back to my mom. It's kind of like she was nagging me about the garbage or something. Yeah, it's probably yeah. felt like that. Also, the nagging person becomes frustrated and anxious. 
And the person who's being nagged may become angry and resentful. So in the end, neither person really wins in this pattern. Yeah, and this pattern doesn't end well, like you're saying. It just isn't a good pattern because eventually you start even fighting about the nagging. (laughs) What Dr. Markham at the University of Denver's Center for Marital and Family Studies found was that when couples start fighting about the nagging norm and not the issue that created Mm. it, couples are really in danger of divorce. So he says it will eventually lead to lost love. Well, that makes sense. Since we know that pleading and complaining and urging, those just aren't effective tools, and and they rarely get the nagger what he or she wants. Let's go over some of the signs of nagging. How do you know if you're a nag or simply asking your partner to help you do something in a more reasonable way? I think that's a great question. Uh, The nagger in a relationship just repeatedly demand something from their partner, usually something that has already been brought up or something that has been discussed. And they also dredge up issues or unresolved conflicts from the past, or they repeat questions in a not-so-subtle way to remind their spouse to do something. Okay, this is a legit question, not a smart-alecky one. If I ask more than twice, is that nagging? So here's how the, the sort of the professionals think about this. If you request what you want from your partner a couple of times, and it's important, and you you just make that request maybe once, maybe twice, but after that, it really is not helpful. So by the third time, consider it nagging, not a request. Okay, the rule of three. I got it. There you go. (laughs) There you go. So what do you suggest we do at that point? Well, instead of voicing your request a third time, maybe look at the communication gap. Say something like, I'd like to understand what is happening with the issue. I mean, why is there a problem? Or is there any way we can work this out? And then be open to what the person says. Okay. I'm going back to thinking that this is not really about the request to do dishes or whatever, but maybe, I don't know, some kind of control. When someone is trying to get you to do what they want by nagging, that is a form of control. That really is. And we need to look at what is behind that form. I mean, you kind of said something about that earlier, like, is there some other thing going Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. that's really prompting this type of behavior? So I'm going to ask a few questions. Just think about those and see if this fits any of the times that you feel like you may be nagging. Okay. Are you afraid you won't get what you want from your partner? Hmm. Are you overloaded with too much to do? So in that sense, you're kind of taking it out on the other person, like pushing them to do things. Are you overly obsessive about things getting done immediately? So, you know, does it have to be now? So you could nag because it has to be now. Are you expecting your partner to think and be like you? (laughs) Because just because you want it done doesn't mean they're thinking about it. Sure. And that relates to, are your expectations realistic? Are you uncomfortable sitting with negative feelings or with things being unfinished? Oh. And here's here's a really good one. Are you a type A living with a type B? You should know that by now, though, right? Right, but that's hard when you have, you know, somebody who's like, I'll get it done when I can get it done, and someone's like, I got to get it done now. Right. And then the the last one that I'm thinking about is, do you not trust your partner? Does he or she keep their word? And maybe that's prompting a lot of the nagging. Trust, yeah. Yeah, so if there's an unmet need, find a new way to address it. Rather than waste your energy trying to control your partner— Explore the fear that may be driving the nagging and then acknowledge it to that person. Seems like this could potentially lead a couple to counseling. Maybe hopefully it would. Mm -hmm. But that would be a better way to address those needs and control issues. Yeah, because sometimes it's a little more complicated. You're not really sure why you're doing what you're doing. 
it would be better to really deal with what's the root cause of this rather than just trying to, you know, I'm not going to nag today. I'm not going to nag today. Like what's behind it would be better. That's good. Let's go back to those signs of nagging about how about when a person begins the demand with you, like you need to, you never, you're supposed to, you always. Well, those are, of course, associated statements with blame, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll trigger defensiveness in another person. Instead, use the word I. So I'd like you to, and I like this one a lot. I'm wondering why you didn't. This indicates to the person that you're trying to dialogue about an issue rather than being just critical. Mm -hmm. And what about the times when you feel helpless? You know, your spouse is smoking and you know it's causing health problems or they drink a lot or they eat too much or a bad diet or they're gaining weight. I mean, when you really care for someone, don't you want them to stop being self-destructive? Yes. And we want to fix the problem, right? So maybe the person will take your advice the first time you address the problem. That does sometimes happen, but maybe not. And it would be better from that point on to first accept that you can't ultimately make anyone do anything. But I would still express how the negative behavior impacts me. Mm. Like it makes me scared to not have you around, um, or I want you to be with me in life. I want us to live a long life together. I want you to feel your best. And then ask, what makes change so difficult and what gets in the way? What are the barriers to making a change? But what if the person acts out? You know, I mean, might that not indicate to them that you don't see them as okay the way they are now? I know that as Christians, we should be examining our behavior in light of Scripture all the time. Mm -hmm. But it seems like far too often we don't behave the way we know we should. And I'm not sure that nagging is the solution there. Well, the beauty of the gospel is that you don't have to be perfect to be loved by God. And that should also be the case in our relationships. But we do need to pick our battles and focus on hard issues. Maybe go to Scripture and talk about living according to the words of Jesus. But, you know, Norm, it'd be good to do this together Mm. because we can all benefit from examining our heart and asking Christ to do a thorough cleaning job in us. Takes a lot of vulnerability, I would think. It does. One more sign before we go to break that you mentioned before, but I think is worth bringing up again as a sign of a nagger. If you feel more like a parent than a partner, then you're probably nagging. Is that right? Yeah, that's a really good sign to think about, that if you're wagging your finger at your partner constantly and you're acting like the authority figure, stop and think about that. It's not a great equal relationship, and you want to make sure that you change that dynamic. Yeah. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We still have a few more signs of nagging left, and then we want to talk more about how to break the cycle. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. And I'm Dr. James Cribbs, and we co-authored a book, Living Beyond Pain. If you're one of the 100 million people suffering from chronic pain, this is a book for you, Living Beyond Pain, in stores now. We are happy you've joined us on the Dr. Linda Mintel Show today. Let me remind you to check out her books and blogs. Just go to her website, drlindamintel.com. And follow her on her social media platforms. There are so many great blogs on her website, drlindamental.com. The book that relates to today's topic is I Married You and Not Your Family. Ha, that's a good one. That's a myth, by that's, the way. Yeah, that's one and of the myths. And there are myths. more myths related to that title. You can find that one on Amazon or drlindamental.com. And don't forget, listen to our podcast now, anytime in the future, and get your friends to listen as well. 
Okay, listen, we've been discussing the signs of nagging and giving some better ways to deal with it. And we've got a few more, but I have to make an observation. So time out. We've used this word nagging throughout the show, and I have to say, even the word itself is ugly. Nagging. <laughs> That's true. I'm serious. It's true. <laughs> it is true. Um, you know, and it, it, is a, it, it isn't a good thing in a relationship, and yet it's so tempting to do it. And so many people fall into this pattern of doing it for all the reasons, Norm, that we've been talking about. But we also want to be thinking about not only what unmet needs are we, not, you know, are we dealing with, but also what's going on with our spiritual life? Hmm. Because contentment and joy are consequences of an intimate spiritual life. So own your shortcomings and work on those instead of constantly thinking about what your partner is not doing for you or giving you. Oh, well, that's good. And I think it would also, I imagine, be good to pray and do Bible study together to strengthen one another in the Lord and your spiritual life. I think that would be great. I mean, one of the fallouts of losing intimacy with God and then with each other is that over time— you lose passion for both, God mm. and your partner. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we connect those dots often enough. So be vulnerable and willing to be better. And the loss of intimacy leads to a lost respect for your partner. And that's always dangerous, right? Yeah. Surprisingly, most couples don't bicker about money, sex, or even the in-laws. Hmm. They bicker about their partner's behaviors and attitudes, which have to do with respect. And nagging is ultimately lost trust and respect, and that pulls you away from the relationship, which then leads to emotional distance and eventually divorce, because the foundation is cracked, and then you need some help. Okay, let's get that help. How do we make a change? We've listened to all the fallout from nagging. Now what can we do to make it go away? I think the first thing is to listen to your tone of voice. Hmm. And we, you and I talk about that. Well, yep. it was your tone of voice that bothered me. You know, when we when we bring this up. And then check your body language. You know, are you folding your hands and looking stern? Are you are you looking open to whatever your partner has to say? Don't begin a conversation with you, like we said. Instead, start with I. Then begin a request with a softened tone. For example, you know, I've been bothered by the pileup of dishes in the sink. Uh, could you please help me clear this out? And if your partner doesn't do the task, drop it and wait for a better time to talk about what needs to get done. But make sure you say your expectation out loud and don't assume that your partner knows what you're thinking. Okay, so a lot of listeners are wanting to dying to ask you this question. Do you do the dishes yourself or you do leave them in the sink? Well, I was going to mention that a little bit later. But yeah, I, at some point, I would either decide if it's worth continuing to to, you know, ask the person and then it moves into nagging, or if this is just something that you would just do yourself and be done with it. So you were making your expectation very clear. That's important, right? It is. And then check your language as well. Make sure you're not using blame, criticism, manipulation, demeaning, attack. Those are not part of your request, hopefully. In other words, think about the words you use and then ask if they are building up the other person or they're tearing that person down. I've heard you say in the past that criticism is a relationship killer. So we need to make our requests expressing a concern without using criticism. Right. Give thought to what prompts you to nag. 
Is it really about that unmet need? Do you really have a concern that you need to talk about? Because nagging is like a passive-aggressive behavior that can stem from those unmet needs. A lot of times we feel powerless, we feel unheard, we feel unsupported, and that prompts that nagging. So talk with your partner about the underlying reason. And you may need some reassurance from the person or need to work through a few areas in your relationship. And I would guess that's when professional help could be a huge benefit for a couple. Couple or individual therapy can help you identify the roots of the problem and then work through the issues together. Yeah, and at the least, look at whether or not nagging is working in your relationship. Since I hope we've decided by now that it does not, what is the impact of continuing to do this? Maybe that's the conversation you have to have with each other. Most often, this this negative cycle of communication is just going to lead to resentment and pulling away. And nobody likes that feeling of being nagged. So it's going to undermine our confidence, our competency, in the way we feel towards each other in that relationship. And is this the direction you want your relationship to go? I think these are more reasons to get help to change that pattern. And changing the pattern is key. You've talked about that many times over the years about changing the steps of the dance, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I also know from other shows that we've done that part of this change requires an uptick in positivity of your relationship. Exactly. You got to add positive reinforcement to your relationship. Take all that nagging energy and focus it on the good things your partner does compliment and express fondness for the person. Basically, Norm, build back the positives to balance out the negatives that have dominated the relationship. Now, don't you have some sort of racial rule about that? Yeah, you need you need five to one. It's the five to one rule, five positives for every negative. It'd be hard to keep count, I think. Well, I, don't, I don't actually <laughs> ask couples to count, but I do at the beginning, actually, ask them to maybe, you know, think about, just take a day and try to think back on a day and say, how many times have I said something negative in this day? And then maybe you can think about that and try to decide, do I have five positives to every negative? I will tell you, the couples I've worked with, most of them will say, no, I don't even have like one positive for the negative. I was just imagining pillow talk because you're going to sleep. Did I give you five positives today? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a really big point because we don't realize as we're getting more and more frustrated with a person how much more negative we're going Mm, and how much more mm. our negative communication is really targeting them time and time again. And so it has to be this intentional effort. This is no different than when you do this with kids and your child is acting out and you just keep talking to them about what they're doing wrong. We also have to balance that with talking to them at times about what they're doing right Mm -hmm. so that they don't always feel like they're being, you know, getting attention for the negative things. I remember you used to teach a parenting class, and I loved the one thing you said was catch your kid doing something right. Yeah, and we could do that with partners right now. Yeah, yeah. Catch your partner doing something right instead of nagging. All right, I'm going to the Apostle Paul. He always gives good advice about building back the positive. In Ephesians, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen. That's a good verse. Giving grace to each other is really important yeah. in, a, in a marriage. We don't want to be attacking the very person we chose for life. Good point. Once we turn on each other, we tear each other apart, which is what the enemy really wants to happen. There is so much in Scripture about encouraging each other versus tearing each other apart. And I've got a couple examples. Okay. First Thessalonians, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up 
just as you are doing and just like Dr. Linda prescribed. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. And I like this one a lot. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And then finally, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is quite instructive. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. One final thought before you close from the Apostle Peter, who exhorts wives to adorn their hearts with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And with equal importance, God calls on husbands to love and sacrifice for their wives by following the example of Jesus Christ. So, make it your goal today to stop that nagging and build positivity into your relationship. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and to our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.